We have been in uh, the Psalms, Psalms of the Ascent, and today we're in Psalm 128. And I talk about these guys, and I will say um, I am quite amazed that a church of three years has the talent that we have. Uh, last week, Rich Carpenter stepped in and did a magnificent job in Psalm 127. Um, but I'm thrilled to be a part of people who roll up their sleeves and jump in, not just standing or sitting and watching the work get done. So we're in Psalm 128, and while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a quick story because I like stories. About 15 years ago or so, I was at a time in my life when God seemed to have lifted his hand from me. I was invited to go on a trip to Colorado with some friends, a group of godly men, but it was a very dry season for me. I had no feeling, and things seemed to have very little meaning. We were going to hike the Collegiate Mountains, and we went into the base of Mount Missouri, and we hiked up to base camp, which is about 10,500 feet, and everything was fine. We had planned the next day to get up in the morning, uh, eat some breakfast, pack light, and peak Mount Missouri, which was uh, a little over 14,000 feet. Morning came, everything was fine, and we started to climb. But once we hit about 12,000 feet, I began to feel something. It was quite uneasy. And as we climbed, I became very nauseous and weak. I kept climbing and trying to fight through it, but eventually I couldn't go any further. I had altitude sickness. And the only thing to do was go back down. A few guys volunteered to head back down with me, but I didn't want to ruin anyone else's experience. So I said to them, here's my play. I'm going to go down from right here. I'm going to go in a straight line down until I feel, until I feel good. And then I'm going to wait for you. Understand, I'm in an unfamiliar place, and I'm afraid of getting lost because it was many hours to get up to where we were. So I moved down to where I started to feel better, and I sat and waited for them to come back. And there I was, sitting on the side of a 14,000-foot mountain, across from another 14,000-foot mountain, and then another 14,000-plus-foot mountain over to my left, waiting for them to come get me well over three hours. As I sat there waiting, I couldn't help but consider how small I was and how big God is. I sat in awe. You see, I never doubted God's love for me through this whole dry season. And I didn't question his existence or his sovereignty. But I was a tiny speck 
on the side of a mountain. And I was real excited when my friends came back to get me. Little did I know that this experience was a blessing designed by God to prepare me for much harder times to come in my life. Now we're in Psalm 128, which says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your home. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Pray with me. Father, thank you um, for allowing us to be here. Thankful, we're thankful for your word. I pray that you would take away the distractions, that we would get what you have for us this morning. Help us to understand how much you love us, how much you care in the midst of some very difficult situations that many in this room face. Thank you for all that you do for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. My sermon title is Fearful But Not Afraid, How to Find God's Blessing. So let's jump in. Verse 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. There you have it. This is the key to opening up the blessings from God. It's to fear the Lord and walk in his ways. This is the main point of the passage, and you'll see it again. Psalm 111.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Notice the first words of this passage. Blessed is everyone. What does this mean? I think it means everyone. Many times he even blesses us when we don't fear him and we don't walk in his ways. And that's just proof of his graciousness at work in our lives. If you've been in any of these Psalms of Ascent that we've been going through, you've heard many of the stories of how God moved through both the Old and New Testament. And many of these passages speak of God and his actions in a very fearful or terrorizing kind of way. 
Certainly, many who walked through the sea on dry ground and saw the Egyptians die were fearful of his righteousness. After all, he is a just God. But the fear in this verse is not the fear we have when we have disobeyed and are waiting to be punished. Instead, this verse is talking about a reverential awe that comes out of recognition and submission to God. The covenant God had with Israel created a personal relationship with them and changed their mindset from a sense of terror to one of respect and reverence where trust was predominant. Psalm 211 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Now this concept for me is most recognizable when I'm out in God's creation, which can be a bit difficult living in the Midwest. And all you see around us is cornfields and grain silos. Some of you in here may be in awe at the height of the corn, but that doesn't quite do it for me. Take me to Lake Michigan. Take me to the Algonquin Park in Canada. Let me go to Colorado where I can sit on the side of a mountain for three hours. Then it's easy to be in awe, right? But my fear or awe or your fear or awe shouldn't be only when we are in certain locations but rather when we see a newborn baby, when we hear about the things God is doing in others' lives, when we see others giving their lives to him, and certainly when we experience him ourselves, which hopefully happens to you often. All of this being said, fearing the Lord is not about certain feelings, but more about obedience. In my study of this passage, I read this. It's not about fearing what God will do to you, but rather what you are doing to God. Let that sink in. Spurgeon says, if the heart is truly joined unto God... The feet will follow hard after him. A man's heart will be seen in his walk. And the blessing will come where heart and walk are both with God. Turn to Psalm 15, if you would please. So this begs the question, right? What does it mean to walk with God? Psalm 15 says this, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? 
He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor. Nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Who does not put out money at interest. And does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Now, as we look through that list, all of us have done some of these things. But are you willfully living in them? Are you characterized by any of these? If you are, then you are not walking in his ways. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's been a lot said there about fear, right? So now let's start looking at the blessings of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. Verse 2 says, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be with you. This reminds me of the sowing and reaping principle, right? You reap what you sow. The labor you put in your hands leads to reward, reward, right? Not always. The principle is there. I think the key point in this verse is it shall be well with you. John Trapp from long ago made this statement regarding this topic. You shall reap and receive the sweet of your sweat whether it be of the brow or the brain, according to the kind of your calling. You will be happy living upon the labor of your own hands, not conniving or living off others, but receiving the sweet of your sweat. It is interesting, this is just extra, this isn't in my notes. It is interesting what COVID has done to this right here. So many people have struggled with going back to work, so many people. 
God expects us to work. He wants us to work. He wants us to be fruitful. I really like that sweet of your sweat. Verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Now, although it's not said, the same fear that is in the husband is also in her. This verse certainly has a connection to her fruitfulness in regards to bearing children, but it's so much more than that. She is content taking care of the children, managing and running the home is a joy to her. She loves her husband and trains the children. She is self-controlled, pure, kind, and submissive to her own husband, as directed in Titus 2. Spurgeon had a quote about this, this passage, which was, good wives are also fruitful in kindness, thrift, helpfulness, and affection. If they bear no children, they are by no means barren if they yield us the wine of consolation and the clusters of comfort. I think ladies have the hardest job, quite frankly, because the men have vanished. And this is a challenge to us men in the room to do your job. Verse 3. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Some of you in here, most of you in here have huge tables because you have a huge amount of olive shoots. And that is a wonderful thing. If you have been in this church for any amount of time, you have seen that in the next service, this place will explode with children. Children are a gift, as Rich mentioned last week. Here's some facts about olive trees. They're almost indestructible. It is a common site where olives grow to see young olive shoots that have sprung from the parent root. They gather around the tree as children around the table. The root system is so robust that even if the tree is destroyed, the roots are capable of regenerating itself. An olive tree has longevity. They are known to live for hundreds of possibly thousands of years. The average of the olive tree, olive tree is five to six hundred years. Olives are prolific. Olive trees are prolific. They start to bear fruit around five years of age and then can continue again to produce for hundreds and possibly thousands of years. Now, don't look past the symbolism in verse 3. 
the wife and the grapevine and the children being olive shoots, both of these were produce commodities that were important in, in Israel. The wine from the vine and the oil from the olive was not necessary for survival, but it made life much more enjoyable. Verse 4. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Before we go to the next blessing, we see in verse 4 the repeat of verse 1. This is not only to show the emphasis of fearing God, but it is important to understand the psalmist wrote this as a desired blessing, not a promised blessing. The descriptions of the blessings are general blessings and not universal blessings. Certainly blessings in life are not bound to marriage and children, right? Everyone, as in all of us, have been blessed by God, young and old. We have all been blessed by God. Take note, Jesus was not married, nor did he have any children. And he was absolutely blessed by God. You can say that of all people in history, he feared the Lord and walked in his ways the best. He was certainly the blessed man that Scripture is referring to. Now it's at this point that the psalmist changes the structure of the passage and he prays a benediction over the people. The Lord bless you from Zion, verse 5. What is the significance of this? Well, to the Israelites, all blessings came from Zion, Jerusalem. God's earthly dwelling place was Zion. Now take a minute and think about all of the things, the blessings that came from Zion. Jesus started his ministry from Zion. Jesus started the church in Zion. Jesus sacrificed himself by dying on a cross for us in Zion. And Jesus rose from the dead in Zion. The prosperity of Jerusalem or Zion is to see their city, their community prosper, to see God and benefit from the God-fearing people and families. Remember, just as we heard last week in Psalm 127, God is continuing to build people. God does not intend for us to live a solitary life. He wants us rubbing shoulders and doing life with each other. This allows us to impact others by exampling and teaching how to fear God. And this produces a prosperous church. 
Finally, we get to verse 6. This is a great one. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. This is kind of a, a benediction. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The blessing of a long life. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of the children is their father's. Now, Stacy and I have two grandsons, and they are definitely our crown. To be honest with you, or to be straightforward, because I try to always be honest, to be straightforward with you, had we known the pleasure that they would bring, we would have had them first. Life is a gift. Enjoy it. Learn to worship God in all times, good times and difficult times. I know that there are a lot of struggles, family struggles and health struggles. To see the prayer request that you send out is moving. For you who have spouses who are unsaved, it moves us. But life is a gift. And remember, this is not our home. It's temporary. Finally, the psalm ends with peace be upon Israel. And isn't this what we're all looking for? If we fear the Lord and walk in his ways, we will have peace. Peace in our op occupation. Peace in our family. Peace in our land. Pray with me. Father, we are thankful for your words of instruction. You don't just plop us here on this word, on this world, and expect us to figure everything out. But you give us instruction of how to be happy. We're so thankful for that. Lord, I pray that as we go forward, that we would be quick to see your blessing upon us and even carrying us as we walk in your ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.